Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast, and this is the first podcast since the surprising death of Kobe Bryant, which has shocked the nation, it has shocked the world, it has shocked yours truly, and it has shocked our guests today. But, thankfully, our guests today, uh, one of them I actually got the chance to meet through LinkedIn and Twitter, the power of LinkedIn, that tells you just you make connections throughout the nation, throughout the world, throughout a social media site. You do the right things, and you get a lot of people that are on your side. And, of course, this guy that's joining us is on our side. He is from WMFO near Boston. He is Shakri Wrights, host of the Shakri Wrights Show in the afternoons on WMFO. Welcome to the show, Shakri. Good evening to all those who are listening. Good evening to you, Tom, and good evening. Courtney, um, it definitely has been quite a few days for sure for, um, for everyone who has been impacted by Kobe's death, um, but I'm very um, happy and excited, happy to be able to uh, share the platform with you guys to discuss further what this evening. Definitely, it was great to find you over LinkedIn and Twitter, and I'm glad that you reached out to me, because look at what we're doing now, recording a show on the surprising and devastating death of Kobe Bryant. With that, we welcome in one of the greatest Kobe Bryant fans that I've known at least for a while. Um, he's an assistant to Coach Kevin Marshall's Bridgeport staff. His name is Courtney Griffin. Well, we're not sure if he's related to Peter Griffin, but he's he's definitely, he can be a really funny guy at times. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Hey, thanks for having me on here tonight. Um, I know it's kind of late, but like I said earlier, we in mama mentality right now, so we're going to push through this and um Nice to meet you, Sharif. Wasn't aware that you were from Boston. Honored to be online with you guys and talk about one of the greatest uh, basketball icons and legends this uh, earth has ever faced, especially um, us, the witnesses in this generation during this time. Nike's slogan was, we are all witnesses. And to Kobe Bryant's greatness, we certainly are all witnesses. (laughs) So we start this off with a little ode to Kobe, of course. Um, we will start with Shakri. Tell, tell me one of your favorite Kobe moments of his career slash life. Wow. Um, it's definitely a challenging uh, question because um, there's so many of them that that I can name, but there's one that does stand to stand to mind for me, and that is the last game Kobe O'Brien played ever in his, in his NBA career. Um, that was the 60-point game against the Utah Jazz, and the reason being because um, it was truly the mark of an end of an era in the NBA, for sure, that night. And for everything that Kobe has meant to basketball, and to not just only to basketball, but to the sports world, um, he, he really... Um, in more ways than one, um, encapsulate what what it meant to to have the Mamba mentality. It wasn't just a statement or just saying, but rather a way of life and a way to approach life. And it really, it really is um, something that it actually impacted my life personally. So that when I saw when I had the chance to watch um, the last game they played in. 
it was it was a bittersweet end to a um, to a legendary career. So I have to definitely say the sixty point game um, against the Utah Jazz that was definitely my favorite um, moment or game that Kobe um, played. And Courtney, what are your favorite Kobe moments? You know, I thought about this uh, the last couple of days uh, since the accident Sunday, and uh, I thought about it today too. And um, he has so many great moments, but uh, one that stood out to me the most, and I had to agree with Sharif on this too as well, was the last and final game, all because it was year 20. It was a great way to go out in your home floor, uh, 24 and 8, and brought it on the, on the Staples Center court. And you had so many different legends like Shaq and Jack Nicholson, Magic Johnson, all um, L.A. Um, legends that were uh, sitting there to support. But, you know, despite the 60 points, um, that he did in the victory one. I think the biggest thing for me was to see him go out with his wife Vanessa and all his children right there, front row, you know, to um, I know some of the kids didn't see the beginning of his career, but to see daddy lay everything on the line and go out the way they did in front of his children, the girl said, wow, that's my dad, that's something they can live with forever. And um, always remember, to me, that was like more of a captivating moment. And it was emotional, too. You know, I know he had a lot of spectacular plays, a lot of spectacular moments, and, um, you know, championship wins. But to go out the way he did and score 60 points in your last and final game, that just unheard of, especially in year 20, with all he went through the last few years before that happened. So I would say the last and final game at the Staples in 2016 was my favorite moment. And honestly, that's kind of where my where I stand too. Is that it's in his last game, twenty years, and the Lakers, the Lakers that year were were nothing pretty much. They they had nothing to play for that final game. Utah had been eliminated from the postseason just minutes prior to tip off of that game, so the stage was pretty much set. And Kobe just lit it right on fire. And hit, and hit and hit for 60 points in the final game. Another good moment I would say is um, I would actually go with 2004 is, is a good moment because despite the Pistons five games sweeping them, which of course I I really enjoyed. I'm not sure if Courtney really enjoyed it. Shakri, I'm not sure. Okay, I really <laughs> <laughs> but Kobe led led the Lakers himself to an overtime victory in Game Three to avoid a four-game sweep at the hands of the Detroit Pistons, who had no MVP candidates or all-star. Well, I shouldn't say all-stars, but no MVP candidates on the 2004 Pistons. Do you see that at all in a championship-winning team anymore? Hell no, you don't. So that's that's one moment. Uh, 2009 and 2010, going back-to-back towards the latter end of his career is another great moment. Um, so... Quite a bit to choose from, but yes, going out with 60 points in his last game is unbelievable, and it tells you Mamba mentality is there. And from what I'd heard, and this is only a rumor, and I'm sure Courtney can confirm this, uh, Kobe was up at 5 a.m. the next day working out. Yeah. Um, the crazy thing about Kobe, it is so funny because 
I would I won't say that my work ethic is at the measure of his, but his work that inspired me so much over the years and uh, it, it, it just gave me a will and a passion everything I want to grab or anything I want everything I want to go after I didn't care about how tired I was I didn't even think about the sleep I just always thought about wherever was behind the door I was going to take my foot kick the door down and grab it and his work ethic and his uh, his, his mentality his uh, it's one of the biggest things that inspired me. So to answer that question, that is very, very true. And I can tell you a story that is also factual. Going back to 2010 when they played Boston in the final, they were down uh, 3-2 uh, going back to L.A. Because, you know, at that time, the series and the finals was 2-3-2 two, two format. So yes. two in L.A., three Boston, two back home. And I'll never forget this because when they lost in Boston at game five, they had two to win and uh, to come back to L.A. And I remember when that game was over in Boston, he got dressed and waited to the arena clear and went back to the Boston court and started shooting around and running sprints up and down the court where they're trying to get on the bus to get on the plane to get back to L.A. So when they finally got him on the bus to get on the plane, he got back off and said, no, I'm going back to do some more. I'll get my own private jet. I'll be start back in California. So when he got back to California, the minute he got off the plane, guess what? He went straight to the Staples Center, to the facility, and started shooting around more. So I'm just like, this dude is crazy. But looking at it nine, ten years later, just his heart and will to just win and be the best. I mean, I love MJ. I grew up as a child watching MJ, but MJ, I've never seen anybody insane for the sport like Kobe was. And, um, Man, it, it just it sometimes just takes your breath away. It's hard to explain to see someone that goal-oriented, you know, has so much influence. And um, he just had big dreams and big goals, and he didn't care what nobody else thought or said. He did what he had to do. And, um, and he backed it up and made it happen. Definitely. Shakri, uh, well, I don't, uh, we'll have you add to this. How has it inspired you? <clears throat> Exactly how um, Don't Kobe has inspired me. Um, 
Definitely. And how Kobe has inspired me, and I had heard that every, oh, darn near every day he would be up at 5 a.m. doing three hours of workouts, and I thought to myself, there's no way in hell I'm ever getting up at 5 a.m. and doing three hours of workouts so that I can have mambo mentality. But thinking about it now, I'm like, that man was very dedicated, and that man worked hard to achieve his dreams, and that man went absolutely zero people. What? And in scientific terms, he let zero degrees Kelvin people uh, stop him from his dreams, which zero degrees Kelvin means absolute zero. Absolutely zero people stop him from achieving his dreams. And that's re that really spoke to me. And while there, I still say that there's no way in hell you're going to ever see me do three hours of workouts at five in the morning... <laughs> there, but the drive and the passion is there, and in the, at least in at least in the pre-podcast conversation, conversation, Courtney and Shakri and I had talked about how we we have that mama mentality to achieve our own dreams, whether it's sports talk radio host or sports broadcaster like myself, assistant head coach. It's whatever you do, you there the mama mentality helps you get there. <clears throat> anything to add um <clears throat> yeah definitely um you know we when we talk about the mentality and the hard work you know it, it's a legacy um off the court you know to uh encourage to inspire others uh male and female to work hard you know and one of the greatest things with um being a coach i use this as an example with that mentality is um being a great support system, um, being able to, uh, once you know the game and know things, you know, it's, uh, you don't just support just your team. You go out and support others, you know, because uh, it, 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 it just, it, it's just um, so much to learn and so much to pour into, especially to our young, um, 
kids these days, you know, a lot of times I spend some of my time off when I have some freedom on the weekends and watch um, a lot of our youth play, you know, and it's just interesting because a lot of times you uh, find yourself, like, pull them to the side, like, hey, you should have denied there. If you would have ran up there and closed out real good, you would have got the steal. So then sometimes you catch yourself like, wait a minute, that's something Kobe would do, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, just being not part of the game, you know, you just so willing and so passionate to help others. It's not about you and your spotlight and what you're achieving, but it's also what you can pour into into others, you know. It's like that hardship grind and you just pretty much grinding for the next person or the next generation that's coming up behind you to be able to be in this platform and take it to higher heights and raise that bar. Yeah, very very well said. And um and I and I will ask, um, what was the reaction at least that you at least as much as you can tell us um, from the Bridgeport Bearcats after the surprising death of Kobe? You know, um, honestly, Tom, um, I think for some it didn't really hit as much as it hit like us because, you know, we, it's almost kind of like we grew up and we watched Kobe go from a little boy to a grown man. And um, a lot of these guys pretty much heard the name or noticed him um, midway through the career or right when he was exiting out. So they were more LeBron, that's to say. But it's funny because when I walked into practice that day, like, I was kind of, like, shook up because when I got the call that happened, I'm like, no way, this didn't happen. So, you know, before I can process anything, I got to make sure that – the facts are right, you know, like I'm a factual person, so that's not gonna go off with one phone call or a text message because with social media and the internet these days, everybody's putting bang out and it just false news. So I got the TMZ report and I said, okay, TMZ is usually legit, but ESPN, CNN, and NBC, all these other outlets were not saying anything. And then, like, within five or ten minutes, they just start dropping, boom, 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 boom. So, walking into practice, I literally um, threw on the Kobe jersey and threw on the um, a, a Lakers uh, championship jacket I got, like, a decade ago when they won their fifth title. And I just got called to do a radio show, like, later on that night, which I was totally unexpected by a caught off guard. I wouldn't say caught off guard, but... A friend of mine reached out because, you know, I was the first person that came to mind when this tragic uh, loss happened. But uh, the first thing they did, you know, to answer the question now, they were like, laughing, like, oh, they're going to coach. He got on that Kobe gear. And then, like, when they really realized, like, what it meant and most behind it, it was kind of like, whoa, this thing is real. So it was kind of like, man, I can't believe he's gone. But then it took a minute for it to sit like, wait a minute, Kobe Bryant, like, the Mamba is gone forever over, you know, this tragic loss. And then at the time, you know, that's when the rumors came out about Rick Fox. And then um, shortly after I left practice, um, I got a text that said that uh, Gigi uh, was also in the helicopter and died too. So that really, like, tore me up right then and there. And, um, you know, with the rest of the family that was on there too, that was just a sad occasion, you know, because – you lose a loved ones. You lost a, a husband, a wife, and a um, another wife and a mother. You lose a daughter. You lose your husband. I mean, it's just so much the process at that moment. And 
you know, it, it was hard. You know, it's really, really hard. Not just for me, but you know, I think the players pretty much like realized it, but it hasn't sunk in as much with them that it did with me and other coaches because we pretty much were around when Kobe came from Lord Marion to his last game at the state was twenty sixteen. And you can tell a, a generational divide. So I'll, I'll throw Shakri into this conversation as well. What was uh, what was your instant reaction once you saw the news over Twitter or wherever you saw it? Um, it was a pure shock um, and utter disbelief. And uh, I, I was actually telling someone tonight that uh, I was actually on my way to a meeting um, for, um, for WMFO to see uh, what, were the, what was going to be the plan um, in terms of programming for the, um, for the spring um, coming up, and one of my one of my good friends um, from back um, in New York had um, sent me a DM on Instagram saying that Kobe Bryant's dead, and I'm like, excuse me, like what the hell? But um, I, 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 I immediately dismissed it, and something told me go on go on Twitter, and then I was seeing. A TMZ report, and then I'm like, but then I'm like, oh, this is the internet. Like, don't believe everything that you see. And then the moment I really did it for me was, um, and this is all around. I got two. The first one was the 2:43 when I first got the the, the DM that Kobe Bryant had died. By like 2:50, I'm on Twitter and I'm I'm scouring for like any official report. And then the official report for me I, that I saw was the one from ABC7 in Los Angeles confirming that, that Kobe had passed away in the, in the helicopter crash along with his daughter and, uh, and, and seven others. So my condolences goes out also to the, to the, um, the coach out of Delhi's family. Unfortunately, his wife and his daughter had also passed away as well, and as well as the other victims that, that were in the crash as well. But like the moment that I found out, I was just in a complete utter state of shock. Like I didn't even really believe it, and and even right now, it still feels so surreal. Now I don't know if either one of you have the opportunity to, but I saw the beginning of tonight's um, Los Angeles Kings game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is they're playing in progress right now at the Staples Center, and it's the first sporting event at at the Staples Center since. Kobe's um, tragic death on Sunday, so a lot of um, emotions of, of were running high uh, watching the broadcast on ABCSN. So, um, so like, so yeah, so yeah, it definitely was very, um, very emotional. Um, but also, but to my initial reaction, it, it really didn't it didn't really hit me until I got home Sunday night that this was all real. Yeah, and I was in the newsroom. I, of course, I work in news radio. Still, still working hard to work in sports. Hence, why with why we're why the show is going on. But um, unfortunately, the on-air talent at WLEW hasn't been allowed the Wi-Fi. So I'm cautiously checking data, and I check it at about two fifty or so, just to check it real quick before the news. And then all of a sudden, I see the TMZ report, and I'm like, what? What just happened? Is this real? Am I yeah. am I being punked? Is this? I got to do the news in ten minutes. Um, what am I supposed to 
do here? And that's when I came out with the tweet, no, just no, this, this can't be real. <laughs> because deep inside, that's how I was reacting. Now, of course, thankfully on Sundays at the radio station, I'm by myself. So if I want to freak the hell out, as long as it's off air, I can. But <laughs> that's how I felt, and I, I I just couldn't believe it. But it's we definitely have shared a lot of great Kobe moments, and it's a, definitely a legend to remember and a tragic, tragic loss. And uh, but I guess before we get to some some more NBA talk, uh, Courtney actually has visited the Staples Center a few times. In fact, how with the places that he has been, uh, it seems like he has his own private jet. So uh, tell us a little bit, just before we go, before we move on, tell us a little bit about being at the Staples Center while Kobe was there. Um, actually, currently right now, I, I just found, and this is so crazy, I just found a program, actually it's the last program uh at Staples that I got to see Kobe before he retired. That was the final season of uh, the Fairway Tour. And I got the ticket stuff here, which um, I may post on Facebook here probably uh, tomorrow or so. Um, it was the Lakers and the Clippers. I always wanted to go to the Lakers and the Clippers uh, game, and that was on Christmas of 2015. And it's ironic that... Uh, see the Lakers and the Clippers are two dominant forces in the Western Conference and the NBA this year, that could possibly be that Western Conference matchup, which with this incident with Kobe and everything else in the city of Los Angeles, that pretty much will be probably the biggest moment ever in the city of Los Angeles and the surrounding areas history to have a battle with LA because, you know, with this happening, there's going to be a lot of dedication and tributes to Kobe to the city and also you have two teams in the same city where if the game goes seven games nobody got to fly nowhere to go to the next road game everybody's at home and drives to the stadium but the atmosphere is stable so i tell you it's like one of the most friendliest and loveliest love going places ever you know whether you're going to a game whether you're going to a concert whether you're going to any other professional um, event there the people just treat you nice from the ushers, security. Uh, there's so many mixed cultures that are there, you know. And when I say Kobe had a real good fan base, not just for himself, but the Lakers organization and um, the LA Kings also share the same stadium, the hockey share the same stadium with the Lakers and the Clippers there. It's just, it's just an experience whatsoever. Like, you know, one thing I tell people about life, I don't live life about making money. I live life to have the best experiences. So if it means I work hard to pay for these experiences, I'm going to take it. So I don't mind paying $10 for a hot dog, you know what I'm saying, or it's an experience for me. Like, I may never get this opportunity. There's a lot of people who sit back and wish they had these opportunities and never get to achieve them. And I'm just blessed that I'd be able to go and... Um, achieve that and um, go to those events, you know, and I thank God for my family because I have a lot of family and friends that's there. If you've ever been to California, California is very expensive. Like, the fly there from Michigan, um, 
the gas prices and everything else, it's just an expensive place. So, you know, having good family and good friends in that state to help me um, get to the Staples Center and watch Kobe play and experience that far away from home, you know, it's it's a, it's an indescribable feeling, and it's it's like it's like a second home to me, like. You know, I, I almost can count on my fingers. I've probably been, and I, I take that back. I've been to the Palace more because it's home base in this But um, the Staples Center is outside the uh, Palace or Little Sisters Arena is at home. Probably is the second most arena outside the state of Michigan I've probably been to the most times. And yes, and I'm very thankful to have those ex- to have been a, a lot of to a lot of experiences as well. I'm sure Courtney has seen over my Facebook and Twitter, and Shakri will see that as well with more digging. But um, have you had a lot of great experiences um, around Boston or outside of it, Shakri? Um, I, I can't say that I have any um, experiences at, at all. Um, unfortunately, I wish I did, but, but I, I don't have um, any, unfortunately. Um, I never had the chance to watch him play live, uh, which, is, which is unfortunate, but... Um, but I'm but I'm proud to, to be able to carry the memories. I, I haven't watched him on on TV for years as well. Gotcha. So, Kobe, a great man, a great work ethic, and definitely a lot of great lessons to take into our own personal lives. So, great conversation about Kobe, and now we'll transition into this NBA midseason report, and <laughs> it's. Uh, amazing how we are already at the middle of the season and that the season is still continuing on despite this tragic loss but uh, i'm sure as he would as i'd seen on twitter he would probably say you guys are crying because i'm i'm out mama mentality keep going (coughs) so that's what we're gonna do here on the show first gonna talk about this all-star game um tell us a little bit um we'll start with shakri um some studs and snubs, if we can. Um, All-Star game. Tell us a little bit of um, some of the All-Stars who we got here. Um, but keep, keep in mind that for right now, we, we only know the starters. We won't find out more about the um, reserves until, if I'm not mistaken, at least tomorrow. Um, like I know, in terms of the starters um, for, the, for the East, um, I feel like the, the fans have gotten it right for, oh, in, in large part, and and the one thing that I will say is that is that for the when, you, when we talk about yeah, when, when we talk about these, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised how how well um, Trey Young has really burst into the scene, especially him being a starter um, in, in, in the East, and 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 I mean. No one should be shocked uh, remotely at all in terms of in, in terms of like the, the West um, in, terms of, in terms of the West but Western Conference all starters as well. And I think the one thing that I I, I really was more surprised with is is that there were peers in the in the NBA media that viewed Chris Paul as being um, a starter in the West. And I mean, consider, considering that like. The, the West has had some, some deep talent to select from in terms of like the voting and, and so forth. But I just I thought that it was really um, awesome and, and yet and yet really interesting that 
Um, in, in, in the end, I I felt I felt that um, I was like that that, that the vote the voting for, for the most part they, they got it right they, they they got it right for the most part and and that um, and that also kudos to, to Kimba Walker for, for for being voted on a starter in the East um, for, in his first year as a Celtic um, so so that's definitely testament to his impact that he's made on the Boston Celtics signing with Boston. Yes, and I had talked with uh, Zach White at Barn Burner Bro on Twitter over the offseason when Kemba signed in Boston. I thought to myself, Kemba is basically Kyrie with two years on him and that wants to play in Boston. Uh, debate it all you want, but Kyrie didn't really want to play in Boston. He sat for half the year, even though he had guaranteed that he was going to stay in Boston, and guess where he is? Brooklyn. He, he didn't want to be there. So Kemba takes the slack, wants to be there, and he's rewarded, one, the team with as highly as they are rated, and two, with a starting job on the All-Star game. So I, I, I like that analysis. Courtney, uh, All-Star starters, agree, disagree? How? What do we think? Um, I really, um, I really agree. Um, I kind of want to say 20% surprised with Trey Young, but 8% I'm not. He's having a, um, fantastic year. Um, I actually met Trey earlier this year, not knowing it was him. I was in Atlanta for one of my family relatives' graduation. I went to, um, Excuse me. Um, I can't think of the name of the mall right now. I know my friends that they watch and are hearing. They're going to get me for this. It's an easy name, but I met up with some of my high school friends uh, down in Buckhead, and he was actually walking by the Nike store, and I just looked. I said, "Oh, that's Trey Young, a real nice down to earth person." And um, if you see him in person, he's a very small individual. You won't think like, "Ooh, how you go up every night with these big guys?" But um, he's having a fantastic year. Another one that um, snuck up into the Eastern Conference starting lineup that's been a real big X factor and been a big field of help with the Toronto Raptors last year winning that championship was um, Siakam. Yes, um, Siakam, yes. Yeah, he's having a um, breakout storm out year. I'm proud of him. He's a very, seems like he's a very uh, uh, nice individual. Uh, he um, works hard. He has a very good hard work in ethic. He loves it there in Toronto. He has their back. Um, but um, I'm looking at the Western Conference, which is no surprise. I'm very happy for Luka. I think the Western Conference is going to dominate the East this year with LeBron and AD. Um, especially, um, I don't know if you guys heard or read the statement LeBron uh, put on his Instagram post where he gave his... Uh, tribute and his um, words about Kobe, he said that uh, he's not going to let the NBA down, he's not going to let him down, he's going to continue to carry this league and run with that torch. And knowing LeBron, um, I never was a um, LeBron fan, so I don't mean it as I didn't like the guy, but you know, I was always a Kobe guy. But one thing about LeBron, I do respect who he is, what he stands for, and, you know, all the pressure and stuff he deals with as a leader, you know, he, he, we have to really say in the mid that he's really the face 
of the NBA. You know, he's he's like he's the leader of this um, league, and uh, those are big shoes to fill, and that's really being courageous for him to say that. And I think LeBron's gonna go into another mode and another level after this, and be a man of his word to um, carry this torch and uh, you know. Uh, Support, you know, support um, Brian's family and everything that he means. So, looking at this All Star lineup, it's definitely going to be good. I'm just waiting to see what the reserves are going to be. And, um, you know, it's hard to say, but I know one person I would like to see in the reserve, which I know is going to be there, who's having a up and down year, but he's one of my low key favorites. I just love his intensity and everything. He's also a good friend of Kobe, and Kobe mentor him a lot. And that's uh, Russell Westbrook. Yes, Westbrook. Westbrook is amazing, and I and I actually have a story about Westbrook. A few years ago, well, actually, way back in 2013, I actually have family that lives in LA as well. Uh, my niece got baptized, and or no, it was actually the next year. It was actually the next year, 2014. I went on a week vacation in LA, and it was on. It was actually on the night, a couple nights before Kids Choice Awards in L.A., so I actually got to see the slime before it actually went out, so no, I didn't get slime, but uh, KD and Westbrook were practicing at UCLA. My my brother, half-brother, actually showed me UCLA, and I actually saw Westbrook, and Westbrook is not much taller than I am, and I'm five foot nine. Granted, a big individual that <laughs> that I, I'd be a center in Courtney's, in Courtney's lineup, and probably a productive one too, but <laughs> Westbrook was not much taller than me, and my mouth just dropped, and I'm like, "Was that Russell Westbrook?" And then all of a sudden, I saw KD walking out of the wooden, uh, the wooden pyramid platform there at UCLA near Pauley Pavilion, and I I knew it was him, so I was like, "What up, KD?" And he waved. <laughs> Hey, um, yeah. uh, Tom, there's one thing I do want to I just thought about this when you were talking. Um, I do actually have a snub in the Eastern Conference. I really sure. do. And um, I don't know how I didn't think about this person, but um, I really think he should be in the starting lineup for Joel Embiid. I am going to go out and say that. Um, and this person I'm referring to is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has really helped the Miami Heat get to where yeah. they are, and of course the Mi- oh, the Miami that. Vice Miami Heat. You, you got to say those Miami Vice jerseys are sick. Yes, they are. <laughs> oh, yes, they uh-huh. are. <laughs> and watching Bad Boys just made it even more better. So shout out to Miami, come Miami and the Miami Vice colors and the addition of Bad Boys for Life releasing. I mean, Miami is getting back on the notice radar again. So. Uh, yeah, I really like in the Miami Vice um, color look that they're doing as well. <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, with well further ado, we will play the the classic mid-season Tom Green podcast game, which <laughs> which could mean an innuendo to some, but we we know it as one in and one out. That is one team that is currently in the playoff in the in the top eight for the playoffs that will find their way out. And one team that is currently out of the playoffs that will find their way in. So we will start with Shakri. 
Uh, we we go both we go each conference, and no team is an acceptable is an acceptable answer. So we will start with the East. Shakri, one in and one out. Who you got? Um, there's a part of me that believes that Brooklyn is, is on the verge of, of, of a somewhat of a collapse, although there is a three-game cushion between Brooklyn and Chicago in, in the Eastern Conference. But given that it's been a struggle for Kyrie to stay healthy this season, and, and him by himself, he can't carry the Nets to the postseason um, all, all by himself, and, and it's going to be really up to his supporting cast to really... Um, to, to, to really to, to really to really help him, so I think um, more than anything else, it's going to be interesting to see how the bottom two spots in the East play out because those, the, 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 the final two spots are both occupied by teams that are under 500. Orlando is 21 and 27. The Nets are 20 and 26. So it's just it's just interesting how. Uh, let's see what, what as far as the Nets, where the expectation on going into season was uh, was early on that oh it's going to be um, um the Brooklyn the Brooklyn Nets being a, a little bit higher in the East, but that hasn't been the case. So, but as far as um, the West, um, I'm actually shocked that um, that San Antonio is below. 500 at this point of the season. I mean, although yes, they've had struggles, but but considering that this is a great popular sports team, it's it's borderline disappointing. So I think um, that San Antonio somehow, some way, finds a way and sneaks in on into into the postseason. On and they, and they bump out Memphis um, for the eighth spot in the West. So I got San Antonio in for the. Um, for the postseason in the Western Conference, in the East, I, I got I got the Nets out, um, out of the postseason, and I think, I'm as, as crazy as it may sound, but I do think Chicago might have a have a little bit of a chance. It's not it's not completely far fetched. And I'm sure Courtney listened to that and thought the East still under 500. Please, my conference, you have to win at least 50 games to make the playoffs. The Eastern Conference, you, you sometimes can get by between 36 and 44 wins to get, get in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, you definitely got to get 48-plus just to get in the top eight. Um, well, I'm looking at the East. I'm seeing Brooklyn, Chicago, Detroit between eight and ten. I would have gave hometown Detroit a possibility, but because of Blake Griffin being out and all the different distractions of the Andre Drummond trade um, rumors, I really think, and like Shree said, I think Chicago has a very good chance, and Charlotte Hornets are right there as well. But um, I would say. Brooklyn's a possibility that can pop out of there. And Orlando's peaking, too. Oh, man, that's tough for the East. But um, I think Chicago could creep up in there and probably knock down Brooklyn, depending on the kind of level Kyrie is on. If Kyrie's still on this, letting the media continue to distract him and cause up stir up in the team to KD get back, then Brooklyn's pretty much going to 
see you next year. Um, but the Western Conference, my goodness, Western Conference is always tough because uh, I don't know if you guys remember. Remember the year, I think it was 09, the Lakers were like the number one team in the Western Conference and everybody from two to eight were like literally tied. So you can go from two to number 10 if we lost that night. You really had to go on a win streak. So that's how competitive and tough the West was. Um, so Oklahoma is a surprise for me. Memphis is playing very well with the rookie John Moran. I was surprised with San Antonio because i never seen San Antonio in almost two decades be this low. But um, Phoenix is right there as well as Portland. And then with Zion returning, if he can be healthy, New Orleans has a chance. I will say, and I'm going to let them say this, I will say Oklahoma, Memphis might drop down. I see San Antonio, Portland creeping up. So you have two. You have seven, eight, nine, and ten pretty much flip-flopping entirely. Yeah. (laughs) So... I will say from the East, and this might be a shocker, I say nothing. I honestly do not see Chicago making the playoffs. Good Lord, I don't see Detroit making it, and I, and I hope to God I'm wrong with that, especially if they make an Andre Drummond toy, trade, they're done for this season. Now, Andre for multiple first-rounders, now, that could seem like a trade that might work towards a rebuilding advantage, but it would have to be multiple first-rounders, one. And two, you're 10th in the conference, you have a chance. So I say try to go for it. But um, in the East, I honestly see nothing. And if I, if I were to have to pick one team, and I say this because possible Illuminati, I say Charlotte because Kobe was drafted there. And that's my literal reasoning for it. <laughs> because sometimes things happen that way. In the West, Chris Paul, and give him a lot of credit, he has led an OKC team that Sam Presti literally said, we are rebuilding. He has led them so far to the seventh seed, which is an accomplishment, and a great accomplishment so far this season. Will that hold? We shall see. Will Sam Presti buy, take away one of those draft picks from the rebuild and try to buy? I don't see it. So I honestly see OKC being the team that drops out of the postseason in the West. As for who gets in from the West, it has to be San Antonio. Greg Popovich has done this for two decades, just as long, if not longer, than Kobe has played. Uh, San Antonio is going to get in, and if not, then Adam Silver himself is going to say, San Antonio, you are in, just because. That's how I see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as for New Orleans, Zion coming back, I, I'm not sure if it's too late, but I could... I could possibly see, and you, and if, if it happens, you heard it here first, I could possibly see J.J. Redick requesting a trade. And the reason being, he's made the playoffs every single season with every team he has played on. In fact, he even said to Zion, don't F this up. And <laughs> even though he didn't mean to F it up, <laughs> Zion being hurt may very well have done that, and Redick might say, I want to go to the playoffs. 
put me on a team that will do so for draft picks. Could be a possibility. Of course, NBA, as we know, and Shakri definitely knows, NBA Twitter, man. NBA Twitter just knows everything. Yeah. Note the sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if I remember, if I remember correctly, going back to what you said about uh, J.J. Reddick being in, in the playoffs with every team ever since he's been in the NBA, if I remember correctly, I believe J.J. Reddick was on that Orlando Magic team who lost 4-1 to to the Lakers in the 2009 Finals, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Uh, that's so, and that and that magic team, at least to me, in 09, it felt like, oh, the Lakers have got that easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no discount to what D. Howard and that magic team did, especially with Stan Van Gundy. Uh, but if it just felt like, oh yeah, the Lakers have that easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Lakers were loaded that year because. Uh, you had Deep Fish, you had Trevor Reza, who was playing phenomenal. And you did, you know, you got, and, 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 that, and that was crazy because when Trevor Reza left, you got, you. it's almost like you got equal or better by getting Ron Artest, which is now a better world piece, the year after, who was Kobe's arch nemesis, you know, that 2009 playoff series when they played Houston. So it's kind of like, oh, God, you guys were like Tyson and Holyfield and, Mayweather and Pacquiao in the boxing ring. Here it is, and two months later, y'all on the same team. But Kobe said it best: if you are um, able to, if you if you're crazy enough to mess with me, then you're crazy enough to play with me. But I can't use no explicit words. But he used some explicit words. If you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. What he did the same thing with Matt Barnes the, the following season. <laughs> and the thing is, most well NBA. If you're a general NBA fan. You should know about the famous 2008 trade that made Stephen A. Smith oh, yeah. the man that he that he is today. They gave up Kwame Brown. This man was a bona fide yeah. scrub. He can't play. He can't. <laughs> Pau Gasol for Kwame Brown. Shout out to Stephen A. <laughs> yeah, who who could ever forget the Kwame Brown segment in the Slava Mamadenko? <laughs> oh, Skip. Skip, skips five. Tiago Splitter? <laughs> Rosho Nasterovich? Kwame Brown? And Slava Medvedenko? <laughs> I, must, <laughs> I must say, I, I <laughs> and I will try to say this professionally, I may be Caucasian, but I but I can give you a good Stephen A. every now and then. Yes, you're doing a good job with that too. Yeah. Between, between Stephen A. and uh, oh my goodness, one of my favorites now. Oh my goodness, I can watch him all day, and I look forward to meeting him someday. And that's Shannon Sharp. Oh, skip, 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 skip. Which come on, skip. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, come on, skip. So skip, skip, skip. Which I can confirm to Shakri. Yes, in fact, that is the host of Undisputed. Yes. Jenny Taft in my profile picture. Yes, that is, and congratulations. Um, I need I need to take some notes how you got with Jenny Taft and um, 
Also, another person that's on my list too. I look forward to probably meet somewhere down the road is uh, Molly Quorum. Molly Quorum? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I said her name right. <laughs> Molly Quorum. Now I and I'll be honest, I haven't been the biggest fan of her, but she has she has been on there for a while. So yeah. obviously she has made a name for herself. So mm-hmm. while I'm a bit of a critic, I can say that. She is. She's done well, and she's succeeded. And she's married to Jalen Rose. So, as a Michigan fan, I have to, you know, kind of ease back my criticism a little bit. And that's the reason, because Jalen Rose is a former and forever Wolverine from the University of Michigan. So, uh, yeah, that would be nice to run into. I met Jalen a couple times too. You know, Jalen played high school ball here in Detroit years ago. I used to watch him and Chris Weber uh, play my days and take me to all the high school games when I was little, not even knowing everything and who everybody was. And then um, it was not until they both went to Michigan with Juwan Howard, Jimmy King, and Dugan Fife and everybody else that uh, they ran the Fab Five table. And I'm like, and I've been a Michigan fan ever since the Fab Five, and that was the reason, you know, I became a Michigan fan, you know, I used to grow up watching the Fab Five and, you know, remember the day, and I shouldn't say this because I know Chris Weber get mad at us if we talk about this, but the infamous timeout, um, <laughs> of course, that, you know, can't live down, but, you know, it is what it is, man. I'm proud of Michigan the program, but yeah, I definitely look forward to Molly somewhere down the line or maybe in some airport or whenever I'm back in Los Angeles, hope we're walking down. Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, there she is. So, uh, take a picture and say, hey, Tom, look who I found. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's... <laughs> and then, <laughs> So, yes, Shakri, welcome welcome to Ann Arbor, Shakri. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's been so good to feel um, to, to, to be welcome to a different part of the country after all, after all, especially being situated here in New England. Yes, and of course, New England's got... The, our quarterback, Tom Brady, picked number 199 out of the yeah. University of Michigan. Yeah. Absolutely. So a little Michigan flavor in the bean pot that is Shakri's, Shakri land, Boston. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, this has been a great conversation about Kobe, about life, about um, the NBA midseason report, about... Uh, reporters that we wish to meet. <laughs> so I shall ask uh, the famed final question, and I will start with Shakri. Anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? Well, the one thing I will say is yeah. that um, is, is that like for the next um, for the next few days, it's going to be really interesting, especially with everything that's going on in terms of. Um, Kobe's death. Like I think many of us for, uh, have. I don't want to say forgot, but I guess the I, the the fact that there's a Super Bowl being played on Sunday is kind of in the back of everybody's mind, just considering everything that's going on since Sunday in terms of Kobe and whatnot, Kobe's passing, um, and whatnot. So I think it's going to be really fascinating to see um, how. Can we all, for the most part, try to get? I will try to get a bit more amped up for this. For me, normally I'm usually fired up for the Bulls for the Super Bowl, especially when there's like 
only about a handful of these um, come last before the Super Bowl. So, and, and with everything that's going on in terms of like Coach Johnson, I think it's going to be interesting to see like, like how like how do the fans begin to like begin to the process of trying to look forward to a major um, sporting event that's taking place um, in this country on Sunday. And I will ask a Super Bowl prediction. Um, Super Bowl, Super Bowl prediction. I think I think the Chiefs are going to win it. Um, it's going to be thirty-five to 30, um, 31. and it will come down to uh, which team does not uh, turn the ball over in the second or third quarter. So that's that's going to be uh, the key. So not turning the ball over in the third quarter. Kansas City thirty-five thirty-one. So. Courtney, I will flip those two questions and start with Super Bowl prediction. Um, I'm a I'm a roll with San Francisco um, on this one. I think um, they're going to be, even though they played very well and very good team, and I always liked it. Uh, Richter Sherman, I think he's uh, helped uplift the culture there in San Francisco. Um, being in San Francisco um, many times and actually going to a WrestleMania at the Levi Stadium, I just was always, the staff there and everything was just like, it, it, it was almost like another Staples Center, you know, except when you're born in the northern part of California. And um, I always wasn't a 49er fan, but you know how sometimes you go places and you're treated so well and with great dignity, you sometimes have no choice but to like root that team on. So I'm very excited to see San Francisco go this far. Um, win, lose, or draw. Um, if they don't win it, I'm still happy because I like to see the Chiefs too. So it's kind of like, you know, you only can pick one. So I'm picking San Francisco. I think it's going to be a very close game. And I also believe, especially with um, the uh, passing of Kobe, I, I feel that somewhere in there between both of the teams, um, pre-game, post-game, and even the halftime show, there's going to be a lot of Kobe Bryant tributes and some tributes towards the families, you know, um, at that Super Bowl. And like Cherie said, this is the time that everybody pumped up and excited for the Super Bowl because of the circumstances. It's almost kind of like back of everybody's mind. But I really think um, some, I, I think the Super Bowl has some things up their sleeve that's going to send off and then pay honor and tribute to uh, not just Kobe, but also Gigi and the other seven that was on that plane, too. So I know Kobe was an icon, a superhero. Um, but at the same time, I know that they we, we, we don't want to also forget about the other people in the helicopter because they were right. human beings uh-huh. that also right. uh, lost family members and families are torn because they, that that's their friend that was lost with that tragedy because Kobe was a um, household name. That's pretty much the big name that's out there. So yeah, I, I'm going with San Francisco, and uh, I'm looking forward to see um, how they're gonna pay homage and tribute um, this uh, This gonna be interesting. Yes, and I will, and I will also add that yes, we talked about Kobe for I would say eighty percent of this show, but we also are praying for the the other families that are that yes. were involved in that plane crash because in in retrospect and in life Kobe is just and I, he he made a big impact but he's another person and right. so are the 
eight other people, including Gianna, that died in that in that crash. So we are praying and we are hoping that um, the families get through this because it's 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 painful. Any any death is painful. I've had I myself have had to go through deaths of two people that I knew pretty well from cancer. That was Connor Bint, Ryan Smeagle. They had both died of cancer very young. Ryan died at 25. Connor died at 15 from cancer. And, and, and of course, that's a topic for another day. But going through grief is, you, you, don't, you don't get over it easy. And, and to the other families that are going through just as much grief as the people that are dealing with the death of Kobe, it's, it's, it's never easy. We're we're praying, we're hoping, and we we really hope that it's we we must press on. Like I and like Courtney, and I'm sure Shakria has seen the compilation I made as well of the newscasts that I did with um, involving Kobe. I had said at the end of that compilation, we must press on, and that's what what we have to do in this lifetime. Is press on. So, as far as my Super Bowl prediction, I'm going to be having a podcast tomorrow with uh, Andy Mitz from Kansas City. He's been in a couple of my shows, and he will be doing. Him and I will be doing a Super Bowl preview. So I'll have more, but I will say a few keys to start out with is turnover game. Um, Ken uh, Ken Mahomes. Who who's going to be the better runner, Mahomes or Tevin Coleman? Really. <laughs> Who's going to be the better runner? So we'll see. We'll talk more about that as far as the Super Bowl goes for tomorrow's show with Andy Mitz. But that's just a little, a little slice of what I have to say about the Super Bowl. And so I will also ask uh, Courtney, anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? Yes, um, uh, again, well, it's late night, and I have to be back. So again, like I said, we're on this mama mentality. Back up at 5 in the morning, get ready for work and practice and uh, prepare for another big game. Uh, actually, since it's Thursday, now tomorrow against Alma at home. Um, but um, thanks, you know, glad to be on here with you and uh, Shereen tonight. And uh, definitely some good knowledge, share some good memories. Uh, Definitely a really, great uh, opportunity to elaborate and share our hearts and thoughts and fun moments of Kobe and um, other things in the NBA aspect. And uh, I just uh, continue, I just pray and you have continued success with, you know, your occupation, your job, and, you know, doing podcasts and, you know, keep going through those open doors, you know, because even though we didn't know Kobe personally, I know he's looking down along with PG saying like, you know, hey, I spread the moment all through the world. Now some of you guys do something with it. And I may not know y'all personally, but I'm watching y'all now. So I'm in a place where I can see everybody where before 20 years of my career, everybody was watching me. So um, keep up the hard work. Uh, continue to do these podcasts. I know there'll probably be another time we'll do one down the road. Uh, I'm definitely excited for that. And uh, yeah, you know, thanks again for um, allowing me and inviting me to be on the cast tonight. And uh, the best future, you know, in your endeavors. And, you know, take pictures with a lot of these famous 
sportscasters and journalists. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, hopefully I see you with Molly Parham. If I don't get to her first, then if I get to her first, you'll be the first one I share the picture with and say, hey, look who it is. <laughs> there we go. I love it. And, of course, our our buddy Kevin Marshall has gotten some inspiration from yours, truly, and started his own podcast with yes. um, the – Oh, I'm forgetting the name, but he's he's gonna he's he's probably gonna whip me with that towel for this. But uh, I'm talking coach's to his mentality some, show. yes, <laughs> coach's mentality show. So, and of course, I'm always open to hearing from you guys at Bridgeport and possibly working with you guys. So keep that in mind. So thanks, Courtney, and of course, Shakri, We won't leave you out. We won't leave you out in the cold here. Tell uh, anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast. So definitely. So that has been. He is Shakri Wrights. He is Courtney Griffin. And this has been the Tom Green Podcast.